Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Globe Life Field in Texas. It's the Cleveland Guardians 6, the Texas Rangers 3. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And the magic number is down to three. Yeah, that's right. We're finally at the point in the season where I feel comfortable discussing the magic number, and we are down to three. The Tigers help us out. They beat the White Sox yesterday, and man, you can feel it. You can feel the energy of playoff baseball just around the corner as the Guardians close in on this AL Central Division title. So let's get into the storylines of this game facing the Texas Rangers and obviously a team we don't see very often, Globe Life Field, a place we don't visit very often. And uh, yeah, the Rangers are a bizarre, bizarre team. They're a team that spent a boatload of money this offseason. They bring in Marcus Simeon. Then they bring in Corey Seager to play shortstop. Then they go out and get pitcher a pitcher like John Gray. They spent a boatload of money this offseason. And where did he get them? Absolutely freaking nowhere. They're still one of the worst teams in baseball right now. And uh, where do they sit in the West? I didn't even check the West standings. I mean, what does it matter? Uh, they sit in fourth place in the West. Oakland is the worst team out in the West. But uh, yeah, the Texas Rangers, the LA Angels have had pretty rough seasons uh, compared to what Seattle and Houston are doing. So uh, yeah, it has not gone to plan for the Texas Rangers. So we go into this game facing a John Gray who's come back from injury, had a few starts, has started to pitch well again. Former, I don't know if he was the ace of the Colorado staff, but definitely one of the better pitchers out there in Colorado for a time. Spent his whole career out in Colorado before coming to Texas. So yeah, it's an interesting matchup. It's not like what we just got done with where we faced the Twins and the White Sox so many times. We know those teams inside and out. This was kind of new territory, and these guys run the bases very well. Uh, so it was going to be an interesting challenge. And it took us a while to find our groove. It took us a while to find our comfort zone. Uh, the Rangers get out to a 2 nothing uh, lead. We set the tempo early. We actually set the tempo for this game early with Andres Jimenez in the sec top of the second inning, getting hit by a pitch, of course. Why not keep that record growing, franchise record growing? And uh, already steals second base. So he sets the tempo for what would be, I believe, if my math is correct, seven stolen bases combined between the two teams. They were off and running. Not only that, you make a throwing error, they were taking an extra base on you as well. So both teams had it in their mind to run the bases very, very aggressively. And Andres Jimenez's stolen base in the top of the second kicks things off. Unfortunately, they can't bring him in to score. We go into the bottom of the second inning, and the Rangers would get a rally going against Cody Morris. Morris had a very solid start for a guy who, again, is not like fully stretched out, a guy who was not coming up here expecting to be a starter. He goes five innings, gives up only four hits, Two runs, one earned, two walks, five strikeouts on 80 pitches. He's only hard hit four times. But they do put a rally together against him in the second inning. Uh, Adalas Garcia would walk to lead off the inning. Ooh, I think I caught this from uh, 
uh, from the TV broadcast last night, I think Rick Manning was all over this, that all three of their runs that came in to score were put on base via the walk. Yeah, that's going to be a problem. I mean, if you only walk to Cody Morris, but both of them come in to score, that's not good. Well, after Josh Jung would pop out, Leody Tavares would walk. So yeah, he has put two on. He strikes out Josh Smith, but then Kevin Ploiecki would lace a single up the middle. And uh, man, crazy spin on this thing. What a crazy inside-out swing. Curves it right around Cody Morris, almost like a pool shark, right, in a pool hall. Curving that cue ball around a ball that's in its way and uh, out in the center field. And uh, the first run comes in to score. Uh, Garcia comes in to score. The throw comes home. It's up the line a little bit. And uh, who was playing catcher for us yesterday? I never, sometimes I don't even pay attention to that. Maley was playing catch and, catcher yesterday. Can't, you know, can't smother the ball. Can't stop the throw coming in from center field. And for some reason, Cody Morris is just nowhere to be found behind home plate. He's like, he's kind of up the first baseline a little bit. He's set up where you would want to back up a throw from like the left field line. So it's weird. I don't know if Cody Morris was just not hustling to get behind home plate. He He's going around Adolis Garcia, who's already come in to score. Or, or the, he's going around the on-deck hitter who's there signaling to Garcia to slide. So he goes wide around that person. It's just uh, uh, Bubba Thompson back there. It's just weird that he's not in position. And at first I thought, well, maybe off the bat, because this ball had such a ridiculous curve and spin to it, maybe off the bat he doesn't see it go in the center field. I gave him the benefit of the doubt at first. I was like, maybe he thought the ball went in a left field because of the angle uh, that it came off the bat of Pawecki, so he was assuming he was backing up a throw from Quan. But no. After looking at the different angles on the replay that they gave us, he clearly turns his head and looks into center field and sees that Miles Straw has this ball in center field. So he's got no one to blame but himself for that unearned run that he gave up. I mean, the error might not go to him. Uh, the error goes to Straw on the throw, but the run comes in to score because Cody Morris wasn't there backing that throw up. If he's behind Bailey, the runner probably holds third base. Yeah, without the ball going all the way to the backstop, that runner from third base really doesn't have a chance to score. But because he wasn't in position, uh, Tavares comes in to score. So two walks in the inning and a bad job backing up. So it's a rough second inning for Cody Morris. He would settle down, though. He would settle down. He would strike out two in the third inning. Uh, in the fourth inning, he doesn't have a one, two, three inning, man. He, he lets a single on, a one-out single on from Corey Singer, but then strikes out the next two. That's their three and four hitters, by the way, Nathaniel Lau and Adolis Garcia. Uh, then in the fourth inning, a two-out single, but he gets Ploiecki to fly out and that threat. And then in the fifth inning, again, a leadoff single from Bubba Thompson really gets into some trouble here. After a Simeon flyout, uh, Thompson would steal second. After a Simeon flyout, uh, he would end up at third. Corey Seager would ground out, and then Nathaniel Lau would strike out to end the day for Cody Morris. So, a really good job of settling down after a rough inning. Remember, that at this point, the Guardians hadn't really given him much run support. They finally do, in the top of the fourth inning, score a run after the Ahmed Rosario triple. We'll get to the Guardians' offense in a second. But, uh, yeah, he settles down without much run support, 
and he's able to get through five innings. And then he battled. He battled through five, but he does get five strikeouts. Let's take a look at where his strikeout pitches were located. I want to say, oh, yeah, so off-speed stuff. All off-speed stuff for his five strikeouts. I thought that last strikeout was a breaking ball down. And, yes, he got Nathaniel Lau on a curveball down below the knees. He got him down there twice. Got him in the third inning. Got him again in the fifth inning. So two curveball strikeouts to Nathaniel Lau. The other ones come via the changeup. In the third inning, to end the third, he got Adolis Garcia to chase a changeup down there below the knees. Uh, he got Josh Smith uh, to swing through a changeup on a 1-2 count, kind of right down the middle of the plate there. Uh, the uh, you know Changing speeds on him is what gets him. And then a high changeup to Bubba Thompson. I don't know what Thompson was doing, going up and chasing a high changeup up and away uh, on a 1-2 count in the second inning. So all off-speed stuff for the strikeouts. In fact, the only Guardians pitcher to get a strikeout via fastball on the entire night was James Karinchak. Even Henches gets two strikeouts via his curveball, uh, and a great one to end the sixth inning. And Classe gets one on a slider middle of the plate that gets Bubba Thompson. So, uh, yeah, off-speed stuff working against the Texas Rangers. Now, Cody Morris does not have eye-popping CSW numbers, but what helps is they couldn't really square up his fastball. They uh, swing 18 times at his fastball. They whiff only three times, so that's not a huge whiff rate. Uh, But they do foul off 10 and only put five in play, and that really helps you. 16 foul balls total, and they really helps the pitcher get into good counts, get into those pitcher's counts, get ahead of batter. So uh, the average exit velocity off his fastball was only 76.5. Now, that's a little bit askewed because the minimum is 28.8. So it does askew the average exit velocity a little bit there. But yeah, they weren't squaring up his fastball. So that's pretty good right there from Cody Morris. It's good stuff. Where was he just going in general on the day? Uh, he was attacking. He was he was up a little bit. He was attacking up in the zone. The fastball is kind of up in the zone. The cutter is up in the zone. The changeup is kind of between the belt and the knees. And even the curveball is up a little bit on the day. So he wasn't working too much stuff below the knees. Uh, those curveballs that got Nathaniel Lowe, that changeup down there that got Adolis Garcia, is one of a handful of pitches that actually finds its way below the knees. So he's mostly attacking the strike zone on the day. Pretty heavy stuff. Uh, both sides of the plate, though. Attacking both sides of the plate, but staying up a little bit. So Cody Morris does a good job getting through five innings. All right, let's get to, honestly, I don't know how I got started on Cody Morris, but I did because the top storyline of the day is the Guardian sixth inning. My God, the Guardian sixth inning. I guess you need a little context to know the situation. It's two to one Rangers going into that sixth inning. The Guardians do a good job in the top of the fourth. Um, again, it's base running. It's base running that allows the Guardians to score in the top of the fourth inning. Uh, Ahmed Rosario hits one in a, just a lucky spot into the right field corner. It bounces off a screen out there. He turns and burns and goes all the way to third base for a leadoff triple. Uh, Naylor would get on. I think that's when he would walk. Uh, and then Naylor steals second base. Man, that guy actually really enjoys stealing bases out there. He just loves taking off when nobody expects it. No one sees it coming. 
So he steals, and the throw um, gets away, and it just dribbles away from second base, and it's just everybody's kind of flat-footed except for Ahmed Rosario. It's not that the ball gets away into center field. It's not that it rolls far. The short, you know, Seager and Simeon are both there, but it just, and they're both flat-footed, right? Whoever was taking the throw on the play obviously expects to make the tag on Naylor. They don't expect the ball to get away. The other person backing them up kind of wasn't ready for it. The only person ready was Ahmed Rosario. And boom, like a rocket, he is off and scores the first run for the Guardians. So uh, that's the unearned run that's uh, charged to John Gray. I mean, his final line on the day doesn't look bad. He just kind of ran out of pitches uh, coming back from injury. He goes five innings, gets up the one hit to Ahmed Rosario, one unearned run, one walk, both of these coming in that uh, fourth inning, and one strikeout on 87 pitches. He's hard hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times. So would the Guardians eventually, if he's going a full 100 pitches, you know, 100 plus pitches, would the Guardians eventually have broken through on him? I don't, you know, I don't know. He was pitching pretty good, but he definitely was working long, long at bats. He was getting hit hard a little bit. So I got to imagine this Guardians offense was going to explode at some point, no matter who goes into pitch. But unfortunately for Taylor Hearn, he's the one that went into pitch. So we get into the sixth inning. We're starting right at the top of the lineup with a new, you know, um, with a new pitcher on the mound. It's almost like starting the game over again. And uh, Stephen Kwan is going to kick things off with a single on a line drive in the left field. Throws him four four-seam fastballs all up at the letters. All in almost this exact same location. Same speed, same location. I mean, what do you expect? Eventually, Quan is just going to shoot one opposite field. You're begging him to. So Ahmed Rosario uh, would pop out. He kind of breaks up this uh, this fun little streak that happens here. But then Jose Ramirez kicks things off. He would single on a line drive in the center field, 100.6. So he is on it. Stephen Kwan goes first to third. Uh, this finally, Taylor Hearn changes eye level a little bit here. He throws him three pitches up, three fastball. One was a two-seam fastball, but three fastballs up at the letters. Finally tries to go down with a slider and off-speed pitch. Not going to fool Jose Ramirez, though. One of the best eyes in the game, and he shoots a single in the center field. Uh, first hit of the streak. Naylor comes up first pitch. Man, he throws him a fastball middle in right at the belt, and he pulls this thing 106.3 mile per hour exit velocity, 378 high off the wall in right center field. It's the hardest hit ball of the entire game. And Quan uh, comes in to score. Ramirez goes to third on the Naylor double. Two hits in a row. Oscar Gonzalez would come up. He would get two inside fastballs, high and tight. The first one uh, was in off the plate, and he swings through it. The second one catches enough of the plate that he's able to inside out this thing in a center field. Both runners come in to score three hits in a row. Andres Jimenez comes up. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, only only one run came in to score. Ramirez comes in to score. Naylor stops at third base. So uh, we've got runners on the corner. Uh, Andres Jimenez comes up. And man, he, he gets in these situations. Hearn, he's doing it to himself. The same pitches over and over and over again. Throws him a sinker and he misses with for his first pitch. Then throws him three sliders in a row, all down at the knees. What does he expect? Uh, well, he should expect Andres Jimenez to pull one into right field for his RBI single. Four hits in a row now. And uh, Oscar Gonzalez goes up to third. Andres Jimenez moves up to second. 
um, I'm guessing, on the throw. So, uh, yeah, because the throw goes all the way to third. It kind of hits Oscar Gonzalez. Um, so he's safe. It trickles away, and Andres Jimenez goes up to second. So being aggressive on the base pass, and that brings up Will Brennan. Uh, gets a first pitch forcing fastball down the middle of the plate that he fouls off. Another forcing fastball away, but comes back with a slider right in the exact same spot of the first pitch of the at-bat. Hearn is not changing eye level at all. Everything to Jimenez was at the same eye level. Everything to Brennan here is at the same eye level, and he just takes a nice, easy swing, 74 mile per hour exit velocity, just a nice bloop shot into center field that turns into a two RBI base hit. That's the beautiful thing about Brennan. That's why Brennan is so much like Stephen Kwan. They're just going to put that to the ball, get it over your infielders' heads, drop that base hit in in front of your outfielders. They'll take that. They don't need to hit it 100-plus miles per hour. Base hits and RBIs, no matter how hard you hit it, at the end of the day, a hit and an RBI, that's all we care about. That's all we care about, and Brennan does the job. So what is that? That is five hits in a row. Ramirez, Naylor, Gonzalez, Jimenez, and Brennan. Five in a row, six in the inning, plus Stephen Kwan. Unfortunately, Maley would uh, fly out to right field, and uh, Straw would ground out to Corey Seager to end the threat, but the Guardians bat around the lineup. I made the joke on Twitter. You remember those days in the really early days of Little League, or maybe even T-ball, when the coaches would just be like, okay, we're just going to let every kid bat then we'll go to the next half inning. That's kind of what it felt like in the Guardians game last night. They literally go top to bottom in the lineup, and they go, okay, now it's your turn to bat. So, I mean, suddenly this game is just completely in the Guardians' control. The Rangers now have to face the uh, the vaunted Guardians' bullpen, and the bullpen does their job. I mean, Eli Morgan gets into a little trouble. A hit and a walk does allow a run to come in to score. Uh, actually, take that back. A walk, then a hit allows that run to come in to score. But Sam Hedges comes in, gets a big strikeout to end the bottom of the sixth inning, doesn't let it go anywhere else, gets Kevin Plawecki, former Guardians catcher, to strike out via that curveball uh, right on the outside edge, gets him to swing through it. It's a really good at-bat. Uh, pumps in a fastball for a called strike. Throws a curveball that he leaves up for ball one. So it's a 1-1 one, one count. Comes back with another curveball down at the knees that he swings through to make it a 1-2 count. Tries to come in with a fastball but misses off the plate. And then goes back away with another curveball. So working in and out a little bit. Goes back away with another curveball. And he just can't touch that curveball. Man, it's just such a good pitch. So Henches gets his way through that. And then comes back and deals with the uh, seventh inning. Man, they, they won't go one, two, three, these Texas Rangers. They won't. Bubba Thompson starts things off with a single. Uh, a ground ball to short to Ahmed Rosario. That's right. That's the chopper to Ahmed Rosario where he just has to put it in his pocket. I mean, Bubba Thompson is lightning down the base pants. And uh, he just has to put it in his pocket. I mean, it's it's a smart play by Ahmed Rosario. He kind of he kind of double clutches a little bit. He if he can get it out of his glove immediately, he's maybe he has a chance. But as soon as he can't, don't worry about it. Uh, you got a huge lead at this point. Put it in your pocket uh, or eat it. You might have heard some baseball coaches yell at you from time to time. Uh, so Bubba Thompson is on. He's off and stealing, of course. Marcus Simeon would. Uh, Pop out to second base after that. And then uh, Corey Seager uh, flies out to center field. 
and uh, Henches just works his way out of it and then gets Nathaniel Lowe called out on strikes via that curveball. Man, a 10-pitch at-bat Nathaniel Lowe and so many sinkers in this at-bat. He threw him eight two-seam sinkers all down at the knees on the inside edge of the plate to the left-hander. One slider on the fifth pitch goes slider away in the dirt once he thinks he can get him to chase away and strike out. And then finally locks him up with a curveball at the top of the zone for a called strike three to get out of the seventh inning. Sam Henches, my God. Okay, eight two-seam sinkers to a left-handed batter. And that is not unusual for Sam Henches this season. That is something that I definitely wanted to talk about. Henches has been using that sinker so much this season. From his rookie season where he used it 9.2% of the time, he's now his second most used pitch at 25.7% of the time. Why? Because he's throwing it to left-handed batters. He's actually throwing it to both, 86 times to a right-handed batter, 133 times to a left-handed batter. Last year, he threw it 109 times to a right-handed batter, only 7 times to a left-handed batter. Last year, they hit 393 off this two-seam sinker. They slugged 536. This year, they're hitting 140 off of that sinker and with a 280 slugging percentage. I mean, just absolutely fantastic. It has a put-away rate of 41%. 41% of the hitters are being put away by this pitch. Last year, it was at 83 And it's no wonder its run value is now suddenly one of his best pitches at minus four run value. Last year, it was a plus three. He's got his forcing fastball under control. It went from a run value last year of plus 14, one of the worst forcing fastballs in baseball, to just plus one, which is fine because everything else is so good. That sinker is at minus four. His curveball is a minus six run value, and his slider is at minus two. So everything else is working, and the fastball has gotten under control. Again, the four-seam fastball last year really struggled. It had a put-away rate of 7.7% last year. Now it's up to 21.3. So it's much more. Last year, they hit 403 off his four-seam fastball. This year, they're only hitting 284. So Hench has got that fastball under control, and everything else, all his off-speed stuff, well, I guess you can't consider the sinker an off-speed pitch, really. He throws it pretty darn hard. Um, but, yeah, everything else in his arsenal off that fastball is really, really been effective this year. And Henches is absolutely killing it in the month of September. Post-All-Star break, he's incredible. Post-All-Star break, Henches has a 0.34 ERA with a 0.46 whip. He must be one of the top pitchers since the All-Star break. And August was good. He went 1-0 with a 0.93 ERA in 9.2 innings, uh, 12 strikeouts to 2 walks, only gave up 6 hits. He had a 0.83 whip. It's even better in September. In 9 appearances, he has a 0 ERA in the month of September. Uh, Sorry, 9 appearances and 12 innings pitched, a 0 ERA. He's given up 1 hit, 1 unearned run, one walk, and 16 strikeouts for a 0.17 whip. I mean, that is pretty much as good as you could possibly get as a middle relief pitcher. And what inning do you want to bring him in in? You want to bring him in in the seventh inning. Uh, In the sixth inning, he's carrying an 831 ERA. But in the seventh inning, 
It's a 0.69 ERA with a 1-0 whip. Uh, So yeah, big difference there. For some reason, the seventh inning just seems to be his inning. He's also pretty good in the eighth, a 1.93 ERA in the eighth inning on 14 innings pitched there, 13 innings pitched in the seventh inning. Uh, The whip is even actually better at 0.50, but he's just given up a few more earned runs there. Uh, in the fourth inning, or the ninth inning, sorry, the ninth inning, eh, not as great. 3.48 ERA, a 0.97 whip, 15 strikeouts to one walk, but he's given up a couple home runs in the ninth inning. So as a seven-inning setup man, he is perfect right now. That's the spot for him. Hench is in the seventh, Stefan and Karinchek in the eighth, and the ninth inning for Classe. That's your winning combination right now for the Guardians. So uh, yeah, huge stuff from Henches. Karinchek would get into a little bit of trouble in the uh, eighth inning. Of course he would. A hit and a walk, but he's able to get out of it. Classe would surprisingly get into big trouble in the ninth inning. Gives up two hits. Hits Adalas Garcia in the wrist with one of his, I mean, 100-mile-per-hour pitches. That had to hurt. My God. There are a lot of small bones in the hand and the wrist and he took it right where all those small bones are located. I Somehow they said, uh, the Rangers say that the reports were, ne- x-rays were negative on his hand. We'll see if he's in the lineup today. Uh, because that looked like that hurt. I mean, he comes out of the game. I whew, Of all the places, you have no meat on the bone there. That is just unprotected bone right there. Uh, that's got to hurt on a 100 mile per hour pitch from Classe. But he gets the ground ball and ends things for another Guardian win. So it's a great game all the way around. Nobody in the offense has a multi-hit game. We have single-hit games from one through seven in the lineup. Uh, A few guys do get on base multiple times. Brennan and Jimenez both get hit by a pitch, so they're on base twice. Naylor gets a walk and a hit, so he's on base twice. Um, MVP on the day, though? Oh, boy, this is a tough one right here. Uh, Maybe let's go with Josh Naylor on this one for MVP on the day. I mean, the double was the only extra base or not. Sorry, not the only extra base hit. Ahmed Rosario also had that triple. But Naylor's was huge because it started the scoring in that sixth inning. It kicked off the scoring in the big rally. Um, Obviously set them up to bring in a bunch more runs with runners on second and third and only one out. Uh, so he got an RBI on the day. He's got the run scored. It's him stealing second base, un, you know, surprisingly, unexpectedly, uh, in the fourth inning that allows Ahmed Rosario to come in to score. So really, he impacts another run going in to score. You don't get an RBI for that, but he definitely created a run there. Uh, I don't, I don't know if that factors into WRC plus, but it feels like it should, right? He created that run by stealing. So Josh Naylor, because of his impact on the game, is taking home MVP on the day. It's a really, really fun game uh, by your Cleveland Guardians. Oh, I wanted to call out Andres Jimenez's base running here. If you go and watch the highlights and watch Will Brennan's uh, single, the final hit of that sixth inning rally, right, that brings in Oscar Gonzalez and Andres Jimenez to score, Watch Andres Jimenez's base running from second base. The last angle they show you in the highlights is from behind home plate. You get to see the curve of the ball off Brennan's bat. You get to see the jump that Jimenez takes off second base. 
he gets a great secondary lead, right? Once that pitch is thrown, you get to take a secondary lead. You get to take a few extra steps. He's light on his feet, takes a good secondary lead, and I mean, doesn't even look over his shoulder. Crack of the bat, he knows that ball is dropping in. He knows that kind of hit. He's seen it at second base. He knows what it looks like when that ball gets over the infielder's heads and uh, is going to fall in no man's land in center field. He's off at the crack of the bat, doesn't even look back. He reads his third base coach. He connects with his third base coach, sees that arm waving him around, and just like lightning is around third and home scoring before the throw can get him. It's just beautiful, beautiful base running from Andres Jimenez. He is home so quickly from second base. Uh, I definitely think, I mean, if you want to teach a kid how to take a secondary lead off second base, how to score from second base, not get held up at third, how to score, show them this highlight of Andres Jimenez because that is textbook base running right there from second base. Very good stuff. So, again, something that's never going to come up in the box score, never going to come up on StatCast, but I definitely wanted to shout it out. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. Oh, we got to talk about Albert Pujols. 700 home runs. You know, I feel like this season we've gotten away from a lot of big major league news. We've been really focused on the Guardians. But how can I not shout out someone making it to the 700 home run club? I mean, it just makes you wonder what would have happened if Pujols had stayed in St. Louis for his whole career, right? Didn't it feel like going out to L.A., we just... He fell off the national radar a little bit. He went through so many injuries out there. It just, it was at a point in time where LA was paying huge, huge sums of money for these players on the back half of their careers, and it never worked out. They went and got Hamilton, the outfielder from Texas Rangers, on the back half of his career. That didn't work out. They went and got a couple pitchers from Texas and other AL West opponents that didn't work out. They were spending buckets of buckets of money and just could never go anywhere with it man the angels franchise has just not had a lot of success so uh yeah it just it feels like what would have happened if pujols would have stayed in st louis would have stayed in the heart of the country uh and stayed on a team that was competitive for the division year after year after year in the playoffs year after year after year i mean pujols will go down as one of our greatest hitters of all time no doubt about it. I mean, and anyone who grew up my age, right, who's in their mid-30s, maybe even early 40s, like, you grew up with Pujols. He was a perennial all-star. Any baseball video game that you had, right, in the 2000s and the 20-teens, you instantly traded for Albert Pujols when you could. You wanted that power. You wanted that pop in the middle of your lineup because you knew your team would be unstoppable, so, uh, yeah, I just, we all grew up with Pujols, but I don't think it's sunk in yet, like, how great of a hitter he actually was. Um, it just feels like he was in L.A. for so long and battling injuries for so long. Uh, this season has been really, I mean, we don't, we didn't really get to see it. Uh, you know, it's not often we're watching St. Louis highlights. I'm not sitting down to watch SportsCenter or baseball tonight anymore like I used to when I was a kid, where I would see these highlights night after night, uh, but he's put together a really fantastic season for a guy his age, winding up his career with basically nothing left in his knees, he's still popping home runs like crazy, he still has a decent batting average, so yeah, it's it's really impressive to reach that 700 home run club, so congratulations to Albert Pujols, alright, that's all my thoughts on this one, 
Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Again, the final from Texas. It's your Guardian 6, the Rangers 3. More importantly, the magic number is now down to 3 to win the division. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game. Let me know your thoughts on the division and the playoffs coming up. We'll discuss it on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back in the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.